You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome back to Earth Station Trek, a show where we trek from the early days in NBC to the future on Paramount Plus and everywhere in between. I'm Charles Kelso, and it's my privilege to introduce the Earth Station Trek crew, Keith Johnson. Bust the deal, face the wheel, crossing the streams there. And Veronica Daschel. Hi! All right, yeah, sorry, some little technical difficulties there, but we, uh, we've got a fun show tonight. We're going to be spinning a wheel, answering some burning Star Trek questions. But first, I mean, we've got a little bit of news. We just found out today that all the Star Trek movies are coming back to Paramount Plus. You should have heard the negative things I was saying when I read that. (laughs) I was like, well, blankly blank, I halfway forgot that they weren't there in this freaking cable streaming merger buyout stuff. I I just went on a tear back when everything was on Netflix. Anyway... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah so they were at, they were at hbo max for a while and then as of i think june 1st they're all coming mm-hmm. back to paramount plus so at least if you have paramount plus for star trek you'll be able to watch all the star trek movies which is good yeah yeah to paraphrase a, a scene from plato's children which wasn't meant to be funny make up your minds <laughs> <laughs> yeah the uh the whole streaming and licensing thing is stupid yeah, it can get a bit frustrating for yes. folks who, I mean, on the one hand, like that's the only reason we have all these Star Trek shows now mm-hmm. is because they want to build their brand. And right. that's, that's the franchise that Paramount Plus has. And right. so that's why we've got all these Star Trek shows. Yeah. On the other yeah. hand, it's, I, you kind of miss the days when it was just Netflix and you could just watch everything on one Absolutely. streaming channel. You know, like I've yes. got Spotify, but I don't, mm-hmm. there's not like a streaming for capital records and a streaming for <laughs> universal music and, you, and all that stuff. You know what I mean? Like I just right. listen to all music on Spotify and it'd be nice if that was the same for TV, but TV has got different economics to it. So yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm just yeah. glad that we can watch them all on Paramount plus now. Yeah. Cause I'm paying for it. I might as well get some more use out of it. <laughs> right. <laughs> and this is why hard media is the best. Right. I completely agree with you there. Physical media. Yeah. Physical media. There it Yes. Go. All right, so we got some This Week in Trek this week, Keith? Yeah, I got a couple of things here that I thought were pretty significant. Uh, Jumping right in. 21st of May, I didn't know this one. On the 21st of May, 1966, only three days before filming began on the Corbomite Maneuver, one Nichelle Nichols was contracted to join the Star Trek crew. Wow. Only three days before the episode. (laughs) What um, What is amazing is if you watch that episode, you can already tell that she's probably thinking, oh, my God, what have I gotten into? Because that's the episode <laughs> where she almost only says nothing but hailing frequencies open, sir. <laughs> right. Hailing frequencies open. And toward the end, you can hear the boredom in the actress's voice. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, I, and I could I could see that. You know, you want to do yeah. something interesting at the same time. Like if I'm in a, like on, a, on stage and I have yes. one line I have to say every time, I'm kind of thrilled. <laughs> Yeah, I can remember it. <laughs> yes. Also, the 21st of May, this is interesting. A generation later, 31 years later, another epi- an episode aired that introduced an actress who will become absolutely critical to the Star Trek franchise, Scorpion, oh. Voyager. 
Yeah. It, that would introduction be was, yes. Yes. Isn't that amazing? And who knew? Who knew? Right. All these years later, now everybody's chomping at the bit for her to be a captain in a new series that we have all decided is going to be called Star Trek Legacy, and it better not be called anything else. <laughs> right. Yeah, and she's great. I mean, she really is. For someone who was brought in, I mean, primarily as a sex symbol, yeah, they really did a great job writing for her, and they mm-hmm. continue to do to this day. I mean, she's really proven herself as an actor. She didn't have to prove herself, but she has. She's a phenomenal actress, and you know, I love that. I mean, she's gone from, you know, the the sexy Borg on TV guide covers when I was. 16 mm-hmm. or 17 years old mm-hmm. to like the captain of the enterprise, you know, yes. that's great. Mm-hmm. And if I have to say something uh, uh, based along your thing, Charles, about her being introduced as a sex symbol, I was telling, I was talking about this the other day and my wife said, Keith, that story is not unique. I was talking about how Jerry Ryan literally passed out a few times over the years because she had right. to wear basically a corset. Mm-hmm. And my wife's like, yeah, no, that's not the only story like that <laughs> in Hollywood, right. which yeah. is that's very like true. <laughs> female especially in the early in mm-hmm. the early times of tv like they were yeah that's what they were wearing mm-hmm. yeah okay and quickly moving forward this is i thought was pretty wild too another synchronicity 23rd of may 1st 1944 the series finale considered one of the best of all time of star trek the next generation aired oh. all good things with picard finally joining his crew and playing poker <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was. Um, I remember the first time I saw a black and white photo in TV Guide of Old Wharf, and I was so excited. <laughs> yes, time, yes. Just recently, the original series cast had come back after 25 years, or not after 25 years, but 25 years later, they'd done their final movie. So I had the expectation that I'd be watching this crew 20 mm-hmm. years in the future, 30 years in the future, and sure enough, it actually happened, which is yes. amazing. I actually got Old Wharf this year after all this time. (laughs) Speaking of Old Wharf, real quick, I don't know if you know, but when they talked to Michael Dorn about his character, they told him what they were doing. He said, cool, cool. Then they said Wharf is going to have white hair. And Michael Dorn said he actually said, hey, I don't want Wharf to look old. (laughs) Right. And they had to explain to him, no, 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 it's not that he's old. He's like the the dude that was in every Kung Fu movie you ever saw with the white hair. Right. Whether he was good or bad. He's like, oh, okay, I can I can get with that. Yeah. <laughs> so they, they really could have made Worf's hair the same as it was because Klingon yes. long lived. They could have just made him and he and Dorn could still pull it off. But I kind of like right. the the white, the shock of white hair on Worf. I like I like Worf as the samurai master. I think that works. Yes, yes. Same here. And the last two things, and this is a this is a day of synchronicity. On the 27th of May, 1965, began filming of where no man a uh, reduction of um final draft sorry of where no man has gone before wow. the first pilot of the original series second pilot this um yeah i'm sorry second pilot i'm sorry <laughs> right. thank you i'm a little the second pilot of the original series here's the synchronicity four years later to the day jeffrey hunter died Oh, wow. of the injuries that he has sustained, whereas, you know, he had fallen down and hit his head and turned out he had internal bleeding and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, and just an amazing thing. And we've talked about before, you know, this is like something from Star Trek. If Jeffrey Hunter's wife hadn't convinced him to leave Star Trek, he might not have been doing that movie. If he hadn't True. been doing this yeah. movie, he might not have fallen. He might not die. Blah, blah, blah. Of course, who knows? I mean, these are this is what alternate reality stuff is all about. Right. But I've always yeah. found that very fascinating. 
Yeah, and it's a shame that Jeffrey Hunter died as young as he did because he was yes. super talented. Mm -hmm. And, Absolutely. you know, in a position toward a, you know, taking Hollywood by storm kind of a guy, you know? Right. Um, so, I mean, it's uh, it's a shame that he died when he did. And, I mean, it's it's fantastic, though, that we have the the work that he left behind because he was a phenomenally talented actor. Yeah, and people think of him, of course, we all think of him as Pike, but I also think of him as Jesus. Right. <laughs> now, before anybody writes letters, I get it. Blue-eyed Jesus, I get it and all that kind of stuff, but the man had magnetic eyes, and yeah. he was good. <laughs> right. All right, that's this week in Trek history. All right, so if you're listening on the audio podcast, we're going to get a quick break from what, from what a fellow ESO Network podcast show, but don't go away because we're going to be getting into our Wheel of Star Trek when we come back, so stay right there. Woohoo! to the con guy show con as in comic -Con. we are hollywood filmmakers and super fans who cover all the news of the con universe including the films the tv shows the streaming series the experiences and the events that fuel your fandom if you'd find it at comic-con then you'll find it here now in our seventh year the con guy show is a proud member of the eso network We haven't done questions of the week in a while. We used to do that as a regular feature on our show is do a question mm -hmm. of the week. And we would answer just a random question about Star Trek with our opinion. And we haven't done that in a while. And Keith came to us with a whole bunch of great questions. And so well, let's do a whole show based on Keith's questions. But then we thought, well, why not make it fun and do a game? Yes. And we'll have a spinning wheel and randomly answer questions. And uh, it sort of turned into this big thing. And Alan actually set all this up for us, and then he couldn't be here tonight. So um, we're going to be we're playing the, the wheel of Star Trek and spinning the wheel and answering some questions. I'd love to see people in the chat giving your answers as well. It's not really trivia. It's more your opinions on things and yes. answering sort of mysteries about Star Trek. Uh, so it should be a lot of fun. So let's get the wheel up. There it is. Uh-oh, you disappeared. Here we go. Now, now we can see the wheel. All right. So basically we spin the wheel and it has a number and then I'll pull up the number, uh, what, what that question represents. Now there's a few, you may notice Dabo's on the wheel, I just noticed that. <laughs> which was Alan's idea. And we could all yell Dabo. When that I love it. It <laughs> comes up. Now, if you get a Dabo, we haven't determined what that means. Does oh. Or do we just all yell Dabo and spin it again? We'll see if anyone has like a, a, a thing in the comments. Okay. Um, but I think just yelling Dabo is hilarious. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And before we get too far into it, we had a, a message from from Wayne, and I'm gonna do I'm gonna do my best with the with the comments. I've got a lot of screens going on right now, but uh, Wayne had a comment that Ryan was one of the best investments Trek, um, one of the best investments to Trek, even though they tried to assassinate her by corset. You beat me to the punch, Charles. <laughs> and then we had a Facebook user yell Dabo. So. All right, you ready? You guys ready to start spinning the wheel and see what happens? Ready? Who's going first off? First off, who who wants to be the first first person up? Or, or we, I, oh, I thought we were all going to answer. I'll go well, first. All right, you want to go first, I'll and go we first. and we can all answer if we all have answers, or uh, we'll just sort of see how it goes. We didn't yeah. we didn't plan this out real thorough. We can give it to a victim, and then if you have a comment, we can go for it. Right. <laughs> oh, that's so high tech. Whoa. It's really fitting that you got a novel right off the, right yes. off the bat. 
Three right. Dom Dom sticks for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So do you want do you want another spin or do you want to no, someone else? Okay, someone else. All right, Keith, you're up. You ready? All right, I'm ready. Question number one. What Trek series Ooh. would you most love to see developed into a theatrical movie? Oh, that would come to me. Um, I'd love to see it in the comments as well. Yes, guys. What do you think? Um, I thought... I actually haven't thought about this because one of the things I said was I didn't want to think about the questions, even though, even though I created yeah. some of them, I just wanted right. to go for it. And so going with my gut, I really am going to have to say what is kind of a typical one. And I would love to see, even though I know some people think we practice, I'd love to see deep space nine mm. on the big screen. Yes. Now okay. we don't have, we don't have Odo anymore. We don't have, um, Nog getting not Nog, uh, Nog anymore. Yeah. We don't Aaron have Nog. Yeah, Aaron Eisenberg. We don't have that right. anymore. But there's so many rich stories left because mm. kind of glancing at the novels, Cisco went off, as we all know, he went off to become one of the prophets. And then he did some stuff in time. And then he came back. And then there's this horrible series of books that talk about how he and Cassidy got a divorce. <laughs> then, then they got back together. And then he became a starship captain, which to me is kind of a waste of his abilities. And now there's a whole comic series where evidently he still has his powers and there's a being kind of like the God killer from Marvel, who's going after all the beings in the Star Trek universe considered almost deities. Right. Um, I think you could work something with like that. I would love yeah. to see Avery Brooks on the big screen. I would love yeah. to see yeah. Nana Visitor back. I wish we could bring Terry Farrell back, but we can't. I would love to see a Deep Space Nine on the big screen. I don't even know what the plot would be, but I'd love to see it. Yeah. And like just recently they announced that they're doing a Babylon 5 animated film. Yes. I mean, if Babylon 5 can get one, I don't see why Star Trek can't get one. Right. You know, like, right. I mean, even if it was a, an animated film set during DS9 or after or mm -hmm. like to live action, I mean, I'd, mm -hmm. I'd be I'd be game on on the Babylon 5 film. They are recasting because like half the Babylon 5 actors have passed away. Mm -hmm. So yes. they're recasting for their voices. Now, yeah. How would you feel if they recasted like, um, you know, Rene Abergenois or Aaron Eisenberg? If if they if they did as you said if it's if it's animated you know rather uh, traditional or CGI I'd be okay recasting their voices. What I wouldn't like to see is a live where they try to do the computer recreation thing. Right, um, mm -hmm. that still creeps me out. And and yeah. I and I actually I don't even care if the technology gets to the point where I can't tell. There's something about that that creeps me out. I'm sure a generation from now people will not care. Right, and mm -hmm. you know we'll see all kinds of dead people giving performances. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> right. All right. We've got a, follow a couple of comments real quick. All right. All right. So Wayne says, I'm extremely curious what a Quentin Tarantino Star Trek movie would be. Ooh, Wayne, which cast? Right. Yeah. Which and cast would it be? A Facebook user. I'm going to guess Fandy Beth Glenn. I don't know that for a fact, but I'm going to guess Fandy Beth Glenn saying Lower Decks movie. That would be awesome. Although they almost do movies. And then Facebook user, let us know who you are so I don't misidentify you. And then we had Wayne again. Oh, uh, what are you saying? Yeah, what a Quentin Tarantino Star Trek movie would look like. Yeah, I I think if they were going to do, I mean, if they were going to just do the, another movie, mm -hmm. I'd be perfectly fine with the Abrams cast again. I really like those actors, mm -hmm. and I would like to see them continue playing. Because, I mean, they're, what was 2009 when the first one came out? So that was yeah. like, I mean, you're talking about Admiral Kirk at this point. It's been, I mean, 
2016 to now since Star Trek Beyond came out. So they've already could have had a five-year mission and moved on. And you could take those characters in really interesting directions. Like what happened to them in this universe? You know, did Kirk go back to Carol Marcus? Is he an admiral? Is Spock still in Starfleet? Is he, is he an ambassador? Is he on Vulcan? Like they've got some room to play. I would love to see them playing older versions of those characters. I think that'd be a lot of fun. I think every year for the last several years, the next, um, Abrams' first movie is coming. And we, even now, we don't really know what's going on. Chris Pine, as much recently as a month and a half ago, says, despite everything that you hear online, he, he doesn't know what's going on with it. Mm, yeah. They, I, they can't figure out the movie thing for some reason, but I hope they do yeah. because I would love... I mean, it's, I love big Star Trek tentpole films. Mm-hmm. They've not been entirely successful, but I would love right. if they were able to make it successful. All right, so our mysterious Facebook user has been unmasked, just like the end of a Scooby-Doo episode. It was Matt Sweatman all along. What's up, Matt? <laughs> and he said, nope, it's Matt Sweatman. Did I fix it? And yes, you did. Yes. Maybe. Unless that's you again, because we have another Facebook user saying Voyager versus the Borg. So I, I'd, I'd be fine if they could figure out a way to do Voyager versus the Borg as a yeah. movie. I'd, I'd, I mean, I'd go. I go see it. My only thing is the board have been done so much. I, I like. I would wonder can you can you make the board fresh enough for an entire movie to get you to the theater? Yeah, I think you could. I, I think, I think the common audience doesn't know how much the board has been overdone, especially recently. True. So I, I think that and and a lot of and and it's like with the Daleks, the Borg or what the the general populace knows kind right. of. Yeah. So yeah. it might bring in more of the general populace. Hmm. Than hmm, any other bad that. guy other than Khan. <laughs> Khan and the yeah. Borg. Those are the bad Star Trek bad guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if it's between Khan or the Borg, I'll take the Borg. Yes. Agree. <laughs> movie. Agree. All right. And then we had a comment of uh, from Elaine Sweatman that says, a movie with a proper ending for Enterprise. <laughs> oh. Elaine, you're thinking big because I love Enterprise, but I don't know if that would be a draw. Mm-hmm. Um, it would not. No, (laughs) but I agree with you because I still think that last episode should not be considered canon. Right. (laughs) All right. right. Chuck's turn. My turn. All right, Chuck. Lucky number 13. What other property would you like to see Star Trek cross over with? And in what media? And that comment was uh, supplied by Tony Bowers via our Facebook group. Thanks, Tony. Oh, it's okay. So if Star Trek was going to cross over with another property and in what media? Like, um, God, like Godzilla or in, like King Kong. Right. Like, so, <laughs> <laughs> we're still trying to justify that Facebook group post. <laughs> yes. Um, you know what? I, I, I would say something like Marvel would be fun. They they did like I remember I, oh. when I was a kid I had the Star Trek versus X Men or whatever it was called um, novel. They did a comic mm-hmm. and then a novel, and actually it was kind of cute in the novel. Like somebody commented that Patrick like that Captain Picard resembled Professor X, <laughs> and that was before he was cast in that role. Um, ah. So yeah, I mean I th- I think that'd be a lot of fun to do a, a Star Trek meets Marvel. And they've done different crossovers in the comics like Planet of the Apes and things like that. What do you guys think? Doctor Who. Oh, Doctor. Yeah, that'd be an easy one because you just yeah. have the TARDIS just appear on the Enterprise. Yes. And there it is. Right. Interesting. And if they need um, any scripts, we have some. <laughs> right. 
How about a jokey cartoon where if this was 1972, the Enterprise crew would meet Scooby Doo? No. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's when they, sh- they, sh- they could have done back in the day because yeah. they, they had those Scooby Doo movies where it'd be like Scooby Doo and Batman, Scooby Doo and the Addams Family, Scooby Doo yes. and Davy Jones. That you could have done a Scooby Doo in Star Trek. Yeah, I would somehow love to see them meet with the Lost in Space crew, and I have no idea how you would write that. But uh, I could I could nope. see that working out. Yeah, you act. froze up. What did you say? Uh, I could see the Star Trek and the Lost in Space crossover. I don't know oh. how in the world you would do that, but I'd love to see something like that with them and yeah. the Robinson family. That would be fun. Well, we had a, a suggestion from Elaine Sweatman. Oops. That said, uh, the animated series and the Flintstones. Ooh, that'd be Ooh, fun. That's like the Jetsons and the Flintstones movie that they did years right. ago. Well, would they all have names like um, uh, what's what's her face did when she? Oh, I just I just blanked on her name. I was just listening to her album recently, but um, the redheaded actress who appeared on the Flintstones as basically herself. And oh, and Margaret and Margaret, right? Yeah, yes. she was in, she, from Bye Bye Birdie, and when she appeared on the Flintstones, and she, yeah, she was had like a Flintstones version of her name. Would it yeah, be like? Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Right, so I would be like Mr. Rock or something yes. cleverer than that. I would hope there was Anne Margaret. There was Stony Curtis. Yeah, <laughs> appeared on there. Right. The question I have, Elaine, is would the humans from Star Trek end up looking like the Flintstones with like what four fingers and really big heads and all that kind of weird stuff? That could be. We had a comment from Wayne that says, I think going outside the Trek genre to anything is a bad idea, except in parody. So actually, nothing at all, huh, Wayne? And we we were just guests on the Earth Station One podcast and we were talking about the new um uh, the the Electric Mayhem show, the uh, the, mm-hmm. the Muppets Mayhem, and we were talking about mm-hmm. potential spinoffs. And I mentioned that they could do Pigs in Space, and they, that ah. would be a, a fun place for Star Trek characters to turn up. As oh, if they did a Pigs in Space show, I would love to see Pigs in Space in Star Trek. They did that with Star Wars back in the day. That would be kind of cool. I could see that. All right, we had a comment from Michael Phillips that says Star Trek and Bewitched. The witches and warlocks are actually an offshoot of the Q. <laughs> That's oh brilliant. my goodness! Wow. And then Wayne commented, Rock Quarry. Rock Quarry and Rock Hudson. All right, Veronica, you're up. So, so I, I, the way that my <laughs> mic is set up, I couldn't see the entirety of the comment. I, all I saw was Rock Quarry. And then I saw something that started with Rock. And then the, and the next thing started with an H. And I thought it said Rocky Horror. And I was like, I don't, I don't know how that's going to relate to Star Trek very well. <laughs> <laughs> That's my comment. All right. You ready? Yes. Dabo! I don't know. (laughs) If you get Dabo again, I'm going to be mad. (laughs) That's going to be hilarious. Quark will be mad. Oh. Oh, we already got one. We already got one. We're going to spin again. Spin again. I love that sound. Yes. Right. Number four, which existing live action Trek series do you think would best work as an animated series like Star Trek, the animated series? Hmm. Strange new worlds. Okay. Yeah, I could see that. What about you, Keith? 
this is going to sound crazy, Deep Space Nine, and I must have them on the brain tonight. <laughs> right. <laughs> the reason is I've been doing a rewatch of the animated series and listening to a podcast that's going through the animated series, and those shows in the main are way more serious and well-written dramatically than I think people might know, despite how they look. And I can mm. easily see Deep Space Nine doing that, especially if we are talking about things like you were just saying earlier, Charles, Recasting voices for those who, <clears throat> excuse me, who passed on. Right. Um, you know, getting someone like Avery Brooks who still looks great but is older than he was, and you could have the character look any kind of way. You know, really playing up uh, his abilities as a um, as a one of the prophets. I, I think mm-hmm. a Deep Space Nine could actually work as an animated series, a serious one. Yeah, I think so too. And like I said, they they just recently done that with Babylon Five. And I think that would work really well for DS9, especially if you get someone like Avery Brooks who may or may not want to commit to coming in for a live action show. You might be able to get him for voiceover work, you know? And like you said, there's a few very key DS9 characters who aren't with with us anymore. And you have a little more, like for instance, Odo appeared on Star Trek Prodigy this Mm -hmm. like in the last year. And I mean, you could do something similar or I think, you know, his son is an actor. I say, I think I know his son's an actor. And, you know, you could potentially recast the characters that have passed in some way. I mean, I think a, uh, an animated version of DS9 would work really well. Absolutely. And we could bring back, um, what's his name? Thomas Riker, <laughs> who some reports say he was killed with the Maquis when they were wiped out by the Cardassians. Or I'd like to see him come back. Yeah. All righty. So we've got Elaine Sweatman made the comment, I agree with Strange New Worlds. Wayne had the comment, we're channeling Keith, exactly the same reasons. <laughs> and then Matt Sweatman right. said, I'd like someone to recreate the original series episode in the style of the animated series. Uh, yeah, that might be fun to do the an original series episode in the animated series style. Uh, and I know that they've been talking, you know, they have that Roddenberry mm. archive where they're doing these like high quality, like super high resolution CGI work. And they've been talking about doing animated series episodes in their style, which is another way to go of sort of making it almost live action, you know, make it look live action. Do y'all, let me ask you a question. Do y'all think that Captain Proton, the series would work as an animated or does it need to be the original live action for the effects so that it has the impact it had? Like 60s style animation. Or even like, 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 like Max. flesh or style animation but i mean my preferred captain proton would be like a podcast i don't think you need i think it would work less in live action because mm-hmm. i mean the key actors are older than they were mm-hmm. yeah you know in 1930s you right. know all of a sudden captain proton is <laughs> like 60 years old <laughs> you know <laughs> all right so whose turn is it keith's turn keith yes Oh. All right. Number seven. What tech introduced one time would you really love to see revisited? Okay. Let me think about that one because now (laughs) this is where I should have spent some time thinking about something that would be interesting. I think, uh, well, there's there's one that I would love to see that was a really weird thing. It was 
that chemical that they injected themselves with on the planet for on, on Platonus, mm-hmm. the one that gave them telekinetic powers. I would love to see them do something with that. And I would love to see Star Trek have to struggle with the ethics and the morality of giving that to humans, say, in the time of war. Um, oh. You know, we've, we've been talking about cybernetic implants. We've been talking about genetic engineering. Right. I got to figure, um, we look at uh, Star Trek Picard especially. One of the things they keep talking about is all this technology that came back from Voyager and that they got from the board. A lot of that technology was actually classified and they haven't right. been allowed to use it. And then sometimes, oh, well, you know, it was, it was discovered by temporal this and that and future Janeway. So I've always wondered what nobody in their right minds would take a chemical that can give you telekinetic powers in like half a day and not use it. So what happened to it? Is it classified? Does Section 31 have it? Does Section 31 use it sometimes mm. on their operatives? Could uh, be. I'd like to, yeah, I'd like to see something like that and have a whole discussion, maybe a whole episode about creating super soldiers. And is that ethical for the Federation? Okay. How about you, Veronica? I have absolutely no idea. <laughs> How about you, Charles? Um, I mean, I think that like we've, we've seen some tech from the Voyager era mm-hmm. show up on Picard. Like for instance, mm-hmm. Rafi had a, um, the mobile emitter. Right. You know, something mm-hmm. now it could be that the mobile emitter was naturally invented at this time anyway. And that's why no future cops showed up to take it away from Raffi. But uh, it could yeah. back, they stripped that thing and <laughs> that stuff's all in the wild now, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Now, whether that's something, I mean, I, well, you know what? I was going to say maybe just, just Starfleet intelligence has it, but that Vulcan and gang. So I would imagine mobile emitters have become pretty commonplace in the last few years. Yeah. I think that's fair to say. Yeah. Cause he's, he, yeah, you're right. Cause he's pretty much said, do you really think I wouldn't recognize it? So, what was right. that magic thing that they had on, um, the first season of Picard? Yeah. Like whatever thing. you imagine comes true. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you want that to be <laughs> yes. widespread? Yes. Okay. All right. We've got a few comments. We've got one from Wayne that says more episodes experimenting with warp technologies. We had a comment from Matt that says, I would like to, I would like to see the psycho tricorder again. Yeah. Going back to my least favorite season two episode, (laughs) Wolf in the Fold. (laughs) Well, it is pretty weird that they had this psycho tricorder and they dropped it. That, That was, that was a little odd. Right. All right. Comment from Elaine that says, I don't have a specific thing in mind, but I'd love to see some more experimental medical stuff like Dr. Flox would do on Enterprise. That'd be cool. Well, well, I feel like they might do that a little bit on Strange New World. Could be. They have with the like the 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 gel they put on Spock and Dupring. Yeah, but on Strange New, I mean, well, maybe not Strange New Worlds, but I I prefer for like the stuff of Star and not like bat dung and things like that. I don't, I, I, I'm not a big fan of like the all natural medicine stuff he was doing. Like I, I, I my personal preference. That's funny. Cause I love that stuff. Although, <laughs> yeah. I actually like some of the natural stuff that he does. Okay. It's, it's kind of interesting. Although it is a little weird. You walk in and that's why I'm, I'm jumping really far afield. That's why when they did the, um, they did the, the mirror universe people, it was wild because the same flocks who had this nice little menagerie of animals, he was literally like just dissecting an animal because that's what evil doctors do. <laughs> All right. So we had a comment as well from Wayne that says even warp technologies that have failed original tech. Yeah. 
and I think what he's talking about is things like trans warp and you know um, other technologies like that. That and then we go we go forward to like the thirty second century and it's all warp drive again. Oh, oh yes, Wayne. Thank you because you just reminded me of one that I should have remembered. Remember the technology that and it's not even. And here's the thing: it wasn't even new technology. Remember what Barclay did in the nth degree to the ship? Mm, right. He he took the existing engines and used them to cre- create some kind of wormhole. And they jumped halfway across the galaxy. And that was yeah. with the existing ship's engines. What the heck happened to that technology? Right. Yeah. And it wasn't spore drive and all that crazy stuff. Right. Well, there's a lot of <laughs> crazy stuff, though, in Star Trek, too, that they yeah. will find for an episode. Oh, mm-hmm. I mean, remember, remember when Dr. Pulaski or when Dr. Pulaski was on the ship and they cured like death with the transporter? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's right. You know, just right. we'll just scan the DNA from a hairbrush and then just revert revert them back to the way they were before. Like, well, wow, great, we solved death, uh, and that never comes yes. up again. Oh, okay. Now I'm, I'm on a roll. I got to do one more real quick. Another sure. technology that I thought was amazing, and I honestly don't understand why they didn't incorporate it, is the teacher from Spock's brain. Mm. Even even though it was dangerous to human brains, that technology is phenomenal. And can you imagine the technology in um in um world where your job is to go to new planets where people speak different languages and so forth and you literally right. could just download the language and customs into your brain kind of like they did in the matrix yeah Are there you- was there was a book by christopher pike <laughs> okay. uh, that um where the, the the book opened where someone was in the library and that's what they do do in libraries now is you go and download information into your brain and you come out like just knowing random stuff, singing random songs, quoting a <laughs> random uh, play that you have never seen before, but now know by heart. So, yeah. Star Trek related. But you, know, <laughs> but you know what, Veronica, it's so funny you said that, because here I am babbling about the teacher and knowledge for missions and stuff. As soon as you said that, I instantly had a complete rejection of that idea of <laughs> downloading. And because then I'm getting onto the, what does the Star Trek kick about? The human experience. Star Trek is all about, at some point, you still must do that thing. So even you said that, and I'm like, well, that's, that's, that's no good. I don't want to just download a whole novel into my brain and go, wow, that was great. <laughs> even though you could do it. Yeah. Well, it would come in handy on a starship because, you know, if your medical staff is out of commission, like an ensign could put the teacher on and yep. do brain surgery. Yep. Absolutely. That's, what, that's that's what EMH is for. All right. So is it up to me now? <laughs> yes. Let's see if we get a different one. Let's see if We've we get done one, four, 13, seven. <gasps> oh. All right. Number 10 characters, most misunderstood or mischaracterized by fans. Oh, yeah. Ooh. Okay. I'll say originally I would say that Seven of Nine fell into this category. I think a mm. lot of people didn't understand her and even mischaracterized her. Uh, and probably like a lot of just like the production staff and like the media, <laughs> you know, she was presented very much as the sex pot. Yeah. And you'd have like sexy magazine covers and things like that. But I mean, there's, I mean, and she was, but there's more to that character than that. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the great thing about that character is that she was so fascinating and had such an interesting backstory. So Agreed. I would say seven of nine. Yeah, that's a good one. Who's next? Who, who's got one? Bashir. 
Bashir. Okay. In the beginning. What about him? Well, it, just because he was kind of like the annoying little brother um, that didn't realize what he was saying was um, <laughs> super rude. <laughs> right. <laughs> but like in, in the beginning. Right. Like, I remember while I was watching DS9, like it debuted mm-hmm. when I was 12. And I wasn't connected to Star Trek fandom in any way. I was just at home watching Star Trek. And I remember I was reading a magazine. I think it was in the Sci-Fi Channel magazine because I had a subscription to that when I was a kid. And there was a comment about, you know, it said Dr. Bashir's fans. And then parenthetically, it said both of them. And I was like, I wonder what they mean by that. (laughs) Because I didn't, it didn't occur to me that Dr. Bashir would be unpopular. But my guess is that Dr. Bashir was an unpopular character amongst the fans early on. Well, the, the way they presented him, and it's not so much that he was arrogant, but one thing he was, you know, and again, this we, we say this so much in discussing Trek. He was of his time. He was absolutely harassing women. Mm-hmm. Um, he dated one of his own patients at one point, which was completely against medical ethics. Right. Um, you know, he was always after Dax. And so I think he was in that way kind of irritating people. But I, I think as they started, as you said, the Veronica, as they started rounding off that character's edges like that and his friendship with with Miles O'Brien developed. And right. then they gave him some episodes. And I forget the name of the episode and I should know it. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> but it's the one where he and um, O'Brien land on a planet where one Jim Hadar has developed mm-hmm. a resistance to needing the white. Yeah. And we were just watching yeah, that. Yeah, we were just watching that the other day. Oh, yeah. And that's such a great episode. It's yeah, such it a is. Star Trek episode. And it, it, it starts showing Bashir in a much more serious manner. And then mm-hmm. I think people start liking him more. Yeah, he developed into a very interesting character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so, too. I think for me, one I would have, and it's so funny, I just saw this in another Star Trek group. It was, um, I think it was the Star Trek Voyager fan group, where somebody just posted a picture, and it literally had a picture of Chakotay, and the caption was, it's too big a risk. And then the comments <laughs> came in, and it was hundreds and hundreds <laughs> and hundreds of comments that basically said Chakotay was a wimp, and he was always afraid to take risk and i completely disagreed with that because maybe how the character presented that you can you can get that way right but if but the thing is i don't think chakotay was either risk averse nor was he a coward this is a man after all who left starfleet and ended up leading a ragtag group of people to fight against the vastly superior force which was cardassians mm-hmm. as a member of the maquis the whole thing behind chakotay was he was trying to get the crew back home and right. he he said many times these side trips, you know, like Janeway would say, hey, there's a really cool black hole forming 10 light years that way. He's like, seriously, let's go home. You know, we, that's, <laughs> right. that's our thing. And there's episodes, speaking of the Scorpion we just talked about, there's some episodes throughout the series where for various reasons, Chakotay is in command and he is completely opposite from Janeway. He's mm-hmm. like, let's get out of here. I don't trust these people. I know you don't want to, but let's break the deal. And he was right with the board. Because right. his, his thing is, our job is to get home. It's not mm-hmm. to settle local disputes. It's not to do astronomical observations. And I think that's why he sometimes felt Janeway was taking too many risks. Not because he was afraid, but because he wanted to get the, the crew back home. Yeah. Right. All right. We had a few comments come in. Awesome. So Matt Swetman said, Liam Shaw. Yes. Matt, absolutely. I literally could not stand that guy for like the first two episodes. And I'm not going to spoil anything for anybody, but later on, I was like, oh, Shaw, I like that dude. Yeah, they basically like <laughs> it, it was kind of like compressing Bashir's arc into like eight episodes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where like, you're like, I hate this guy. You know, this guy's yeah. not so bad. I like this guy. You can't kill him. 
he's supposed to be the, the star of a spinoff. <laughs> and I got to tell you, I'm, I'm on a rewatch of Picard right now. And I got to tell you the first time, I'm not joking. I, when he was already eating, when uh, Picard and Riker came in, and I was like, dude, what an ass. And then the next time, when he actually told them no, I was like, dude, he actually yeah. has a point. <laughs> right. <laughs> good right, one, so good one. Wayne commented, there was never enough exposure for the Bashir character. And then Matt Sweatman commented, one of my first encounters with toxic fandom is when I got chastised at the bus stop by someone who I had just met at Dixie Trek because I said I liked Wesley Crusher. Holy Joe, are you kidding me? Wow. Yeah, that's why you wow. don't say that in public. Nope. <laughs> uh, yeah, now I will say Wesley Crusher, I think, really gets a lot. Of, I feel like it gets a lot of unnecessary hate. And I think some of it goes to... There's a couple of things I've heard. There was one episode with, and it was the lines they wrote for Will Wheaton. And I forget the exact episode. You remember that one episode where he goes, we're Starfleet. We don't lie. And right. it just lands with a thud. Yeah, It's a yeah. horrible episode. And then they did sometimes make him too much the kid who solved everything. It didn't mm -hmm. bother me, but it seemed to irritate a lot of people. There was yeah. the episode, um, I think it was The Enemy. It's the one where Jordy is stranded on the planet with the Romulan, and Jordy is blind because his visor's malfunctioning. Mm -hmm. And the person who figures out how to create a beacon that Jordy can find was Wesley. And what I thought was funny, and I laughed, is when the beacon beamed down and it was a neutrino beacon, Jordy instantly goes, Thank you, Wesley Crusher. <laughs> As if he assumed nobody else on the ship, even Data, would have come up with that. Right. Some, yeah. pe some people hated Wesley for that. I didn't have a problem yeah. with that. But that I didn't is a hate, hated character. Yeah, I don't hate Wesley Crusher. I'm not mm -hmm. a big Wesley Crusher fan for a lot of the reasons you just said. I mean, for one, you've got this kid who's solving yeah. problems that the Starfleet officers can't solve, right. which is a little frustrating. But also, yeah. they wrote him like he was a precocious 10-year-old rather than yeah. like he was you know, 15, 16, 17, 18 years old over right. the course of the show. They got right. better as it went along. But I mean, especially at first, and it was all like, oh, golly. You know, when he's on the sex planet and he's like, I can't play the grown up games. Like, was no one ever a 15, 16 year old boy in this writer's room? <laughs> you know? That's true. That's interesting. And and I also think, Wayne, your comment was very interesting that you wanted to see even more of Bashir. Mm. Yeah. He's a very good character and a very complex character. Yeah. All right. We had a comment from Michael Phillips that said Commodore Decker. Many fans think he's just an a-hole, but he's actually someone suffering from severe PTSD, and he's running scared. That's a good point. Mm -hmm. yeah. I, don't, I, don't, I remember the name Commodore Decker. Decker is the one he watched his entire crew. like He basically he beamed his entire crew down to a planet to escape the Doomsday Machine, and then watched the Doomsday Machine destroy that entire planet with his crew on it, and was left alone on the ship, drifting in space until the Enterprise came along. And then he assumed command of the Enterprise and tried to fight back against the Doomsday Machine, which was foolhardy, but it was basically Captain Ahab. It was one of the, the first Captain Ahab story in Star Trek yeah. where he was going to try to exact revenge and had to realize over the course of the episode that it was wrong. And he basically he sacrificed himself in the end to try to deliver a blow against the Doomsday Machine. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's the kind of track that we track that we don't get a lot of anymore. And I think both because of the progression of the series, as in from the original series timeline to the to the TNG timeline. And also, I think because certain sensibilities have changed in terms of how people look at such characters. I right. liked those characters that were broken. But if you look mm -hmm. at the 
my goodness, if you look at the rate of captains in original series that kind of lost their minds and stuff, it's real high. <laughs> it's a very stressful job. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's a good one, though, about Commodore Deck to be misunderstood. I, I kind of agree with that. All right. Is um, it your turn now, Veronica? Yeah. All righty. No double, Veronica, so far. Just that bad. Come on, wheel. Yeah, this wheel is very repetitive. I think Quark's put a graviton emitter underneath that wheel. (laughs) (laughs) There, isn't it? She thought she was getting Dabo and got excited. (laughs) It was like right on the edge, and usually when it's right on the edge, it goes to the one before it. All right. What's an episode of Trek that you love to watch, even though most folks groan about it? And Alan that Ray. was submitted by Elaine Sweatman via Alan our Moraine. Facebook group. Alan Moraine? Yes. Okay. I thought you were going to say Cat's Paw, but okay, Wait. Alan Moraine. Seriously? Yeah. Also uh, Cat's Paw, but, but that was the first <laughs> one that came to my head. <laughs> okay. Tell us about Move Along Home. Um, I I think the whole, like, them being in a game thing is a fun idea, and I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> okay. And 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 when they had to sing the Alan Rank song and hop over the things and do it just right with all the movements and everything, <laughs> oh that was so much fun. <laughs> What's so funny about that when they're doing the song is as people, as some of you may know, Avery Brooks is an actual professor of music, an absolutely skilled musician, and a great singer. His voice, which is so rich and powerful, is so out of cl- line with singing a kid's song. And you're like. He's like, oh, Moraine, one, two, three, oh, Moraine. It, it is so hilarious. Right. But I really don't like that show. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's your answer, Keith? Um, That's a tough one because I'm trying to think of a show that people really dislike. That, oh, I, I, well, there's two episodes. One of them is obvious and one of them is not so obvious. But I like them because they're so bad, they're funny. And, of course, Fox Brain. And it's such a typical answer. But right. um. Michael Phillips and I were just having a discussion yesterday based on um, Matt Sweatman's reviews of what we consider to be the worst episode of the second season of the original series. And we had different ones. Um, I said it was in the children's show lead. And Michael said it was actually Spock's brain. Then we got into this whole discussion about, well, why is this one worse than that? Which I thought was so funny. (laughs) Oh, in the third series, third season. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Third season. And then the other one that I actually like to watch, because again, it's just so stupid is the alternative factor. Oh, Um, that's the one with Lazarus, the Lazarus. And you literally cannot tell which one is which it's only because it's a, it's a stupid, funny episode. And that's the one with the famous kill, 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 kill. And the dude keeps falling mm-hmm. off cliffs over right. and over. And it's also funny, stupid, because it's an episode like um, Let This Be Your Last Battlefield, where for a reason I do not understand, Lazarus is allowed to just walk around the ship. No security guards. He steals dilithium crystals because nobody's watching him. Wow. And it's a show I enjoy to laugh at. I don't like it. I enjoy laughing at it. Yeah. How about you, Charles? Mine's not a not an episode. It's a movie. <laughs> and a lot of people don't like Star Trek V. But I really do like Star Trek V. It's got production problems because there were some production problems that came up. But it's probably the most character-oriented movie in the original Star Trek movies. 
And you get a lot between Kirk and Spock and Bones. You get a lot of backstory on mm -hmm. characters. You get a lot of them interacting with each other. You get some, you know, additional things about Spock and his relationship with his brother, which we didn't know that he had. And it feels very <laughs> much like uh, a TOS style adventure, but you know, 20, 20 year, twenty plus years later, you know, where they're they're flying to the center of the galaxy and God's there. And I love that Kirk is the kind of guy when everyone else is in awe who says. What does God do with the starship? <laughs> you know, he's ever the yeah. skeptic, and I, I, I think it's, I think it's a lot of fun. And obviously, there were production problems. They're basically their yeah. effect company they had hired. They went, they couldn't get ILM or got. They went with a cheaper option to ILM, but the effects company couldn't deliver. And so you get, you it just clogged up the production pipeline, and you had some really ropey effects in it. But I would love to see, I, I'd love to see a director's edition of that movie, like they did for the motion picture that restored mm -hmm. Shatner's vision for that mm -hmm. film because mm -hmm. Shatner's vision for that film was, I mean, frankly better and sort of, you know, more spectacular than what we got on the screen. But the film as it is, I enjoy a lot. It's, I mean, it's hanging out with Star Trek characters and I, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm happy to go camping with Kirk and Spock and Bones anytime. <laughs> I did not know that the finished project product was not Shatner's vision. I didn't know right. that's a new one on me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's actually there were glimpses of it. Like they did a comic adaptation based on the script, but you know mm -hmm. they, they work on the comic adaptations while the film is in production. But there was like rock creatures at the end, and like a more spectacular finale and things like that. Mm -hmm. That they they just couldn't. It got cut down to just you know the actor playing God going and shooting <laughs> lightning bolts out of his eyes, which didn't really hurt them all that much because they literally stood up right after that right. with smoke, literally smoke pouring out of their uniforms. But yeah. otherwise uninjured. I, I do. I don't like that sh movie, but I do remember when is Cyborg. Mm -hmm. Cyborg. I do like the scenes where he would make you relive this thing that was, you know, this guilt or this trauma that was in you. I thought how those were shot were very effective, like the one right. with McCoy. I thought that was really good. And you're right. That was that felt like track. That was that was dramatic. And I liked that effect, which you could tell was from somebody who knew stagecraft. Right. That was really good. All right. So we've had some comments. Interesting choice. All right. So Michael Phillips says, Wesley's Crusher's best episode for me was the game. Which is now very realistic. Right. Michael Sweatman for his underrated Star Trek episode is Wolf in the Fold. Oh, we were just talking about that. Right. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, and I think... Um, I think that's a good one too. We all talked about the problematic ending, and and uh, again, yeah, I think it just goes without saying when you talk about the original series that you're gonna that there's sexism and things like that because mm -hmm. at the end where Kirk is like, I know a place where the women are so, dude, seriously, right. after all that crap. <laughs> all right, Elaine says unexpected from Enterprise. That's the one where they meet that alien race in the silver outfits who have holodecks, and the Klingons are there, and Trip Tucker gets pregnant. <laughs> oh wow, Elaine. That's yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> All right, Michael. I Phillips, love different opinions. Michael Phillips said, "I thought Move Along Home was much more interesting and different than any episode in the first half of DS9's first season. At least it was pushing boundaries instead of repeating ideas." I can agree with that. But I can all, agree with that. And he went on to say, "For me, it's the empath. I love that episode, and I think everyone loves the empath. Not a person that I know doesn't love the empath." <laughs> <laughs> I do not like the impact. 
Right. I don't like it. Um, this is real quick. Give me one second. We're getting late on time. This is real quick. Mm-hmm. You probably noticed that the third season, the music is a lot of is different, right? They don't use as much as the uh, music from the first two seasons. A lot of episodes of the third season, if you think about the empath, Inspector of the Gun, and um, Requiem for Methuselah, the music is really slow, kind of doleful, kind of serious. And right. if you look at the acting, the actors sometimes they don't have the energy and the vitality a lot of times in the third season. Right. Um, and that has to do with the fact that the budget was cut, the shipping, the, the, the filming schedule was cut down. Well, when I was a kid, and I'm real sensitive to stuff, the music and even sometimes how Shatner would hold himself and the lighting and stuff, it makes me feel almost depressed. Hmm. It, it's like, and the only thing I can think of, it's like if you watch any of those movies where it's like in some country town where somebody's sitting on the front porch because they got nothing to do. You know what I mean? In one of those Western towns where the town is dusty and it looks like a horrible place to live. I get a sense of almost dull boredom and ennui when I watch some of the third season episodes and the music itself kind of depresses me. The empath mm. depresses me. Just watching it and listening to it, it, yeah. it engenders negative feelings in me, even though, as you were saying, Charles, um, about the other stuff, it's a Star Trek episode through and through in the writing. Yeah. But it does something to me. That's why I don't like the empath. I, I love the empath. And mm. a while back we did a hidden gems episode. Mm. And I that was my pick. And I put Jim on the cover because I thought it was cute. But um <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, Matt Sweatman says, I love the empath. Oh, and then Michael Phillips said, huh, I thought everyone else hated the empath, but me, well, I guess I'll have to pick another one. <laughs> and I'll, there may be, well, be people who don't like the empath. I was just giving Keith yeah. a hard time because from <laughs> our, our very first zoom call, when we were putting this podcast together, that came mm-hmm. up that Keith didn't like the empath. And I was like, how can you not like the empath? Yes. <laughs> and especially because you were stunned because I am such a fan of the original series. Right. That and was, I was like, like uh. from my very first conversation with Keith, it was that I love the empath that he does not. <laughs> hey, and I can say real quick, guys, we've talked about this before, but I would love to do at one point, I would love to do a show where every one of us picks an episode of the Trek that we really, really don't like and review it from a point of view of telling what's good about it. I think that'd you know, be like, fun. You know, flip the script right. and then see what happens. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, it's like uh, in debate class when they just assign yes. you a topic and you have to debate it or, right. or else you fail. I think that'd be right. a fun thing to do. So we've got mm-hmm. a few weeks until Strange New Worlds comes back. So maybe we'll get that in there. Cool. All right. So we are four minutes out. Wow. Do we have time to try one more or do we want to go ahead and say where everybody can see us? What do you think? I think, do you I think, think? we can do one more. Who's up? Yeah. Like I said, uh, yeah. I don't one know. Let's, do just do, let's just do one real quick. It was just okay. for all. Veronica's waiting for Dabo. Is who's up next? Is, is it is it you, Charles, or is it Veronica? Oh. Well. That's not the one we just did. No. No, that's the new one. Oh, Unless there's I'm no, mistaken. There's, there's no, no 12. There's no 12. So but there's ooh. a fort. Is there a 14? I'm just going to pick one. Should there be a Star Trek musical? Yes. Submitted by Tony Bowers via our oh, Facebook group. Yes. Great question. Yes. Like a stage musical, well, not like a musical episode. Oh, so you said there should be a musical episode or there should, there should not? be a musical episode, but also there should be like a stage musical. Okay. Yeah. What about you, Chief? Mm. I can't envision that right now. How would you do it? Because uh, I'm sorry, I'm coming off that one episode where everybody was in costume of Strange New Worlds that I really, what? really dislike. Well, right now there is a Con the Musical. Yep. And the, the premise behind Con the Musical is that Data has been studying musical theater. And so he's written the story of 
conch and of con as a musical <laughs> with a lot of references to old musicals. Yes. You're serious? That's yeah. going on in New York right now. It's yeah. it's called con the musical. How do I musical. not know this stuff? How do I not know this? <laughs> I don't know. No, there's ways <laughs> wow. to do it. Like my wow. idea has been uh, going back to the Star Trek power records in the seventies. Mm-hmm. And there was, um, the episode there, there was the story where there was a, a, a being that communicated by music. And oh. I don't, I don't remember if it was okay. the star of a fleaver or if that was a different, I, I'm getting the titles mixed up, but mm-hmm. I thought that would be fun that, you know, you could have an alien race that communicates by music, or you could have, maybe they have to reset their, um, um, universal translators to communicate with a, a lyrical species. And so everything they say is coming out as a song. Uh, I think there's, I think there's cute ways that you could do it if you wanted to. I think lower decks would lend itself to a musical. And that's a super obvious mm-hmm. choice because it's comedic. I think the thing you said about the musical inter- thing is interesting. Charles, I re- I had a comic book years ago. It was a green lantern comic book where Hal Jordan had been ch- tasked with cre- uh, finding a new green lantern in sector of space. And he came back and it turned out he met a race that was blind <laughs> and he couldn't let, he couldn't, the alien could not visualize the color green and he couldn't visualize constructs with his eyes. And so right. how Jordan had to like, they, they communicated through sound and notes. And so okay. the alien actually learned to use the green lantern ring while he would create a construct and he would hear the sound of the energy instead of seeing it. Mm. Kind of like what you were saying. So I thought that and the, it was musical notes and all these various subtle shifts in frequency, how they communicated emotion and everything like that. Right. It sounds like That's what awesome. you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. All right. A couple of comments. Wayne says, no. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, I love it. I love it. (laughs) All right. uh, Matt Sweatman says, as long as it's it's Klingon. And in Klingon. Oh, boy. I I think our our ears would hurt after a while. Because Klingon author is kind of dissonant, at least to me. Mm -hmm. What I've heard. And then Wayne said, how much for just the planet? I'd love to see that as a musical. That was the old John Ford paperback novel. And then... Michael okay. Phillips commented 30.2, and I'm not certain what you're referring to there, Michael. What's 30.2? Not not sure. Okay. Well, this has been fun. This has yeah. been a fun game. I don't know that we got to all the questions, but the ones that we didn't get to, I'm sure we'll we'll try to start doing more questions of the week. Because I miss doing questions of the week. I think Me too. Fun. And I love this discussion because this is yeah. so funny that there's a couple of times I completely disagree with Michael Phillips. And then the very next question, like, Oh dude, you're on the same mm-hmm. wavelength. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> All right. Wayne, well, you and I got to talk. <laughs> <laughs> I got to ask questions for you, brother. All right. Well, Keith, where can people find more of you? You can find me on Instagram and Twitter, Twitter, although not much nowadays for a whole bunch of reasons and Facebook, primarily the ESO network, Facebook groups. How about us, Veronica? Feltnerdy.com. That's right. And if you'd like to see us live and you happen to be in the Knoxville area on June 10th, we'll be performing at FrankenCon in Knoxville, Tennessee. We're doing a monster themed show. It's a horror convention. And then if you're in the Atlanta area, we'll be at the Sandy Springs. And then if you are in the Atlanta area and want to see a not family friendly show (laughs) on uh, (laughs) July the 22nd, we'll be performing at the Sinful Variety Show which is a uh, drag burlesque and we're bringing puppets. And so we'll be performing there and doing a, a very adult oriented show. And then later on after that, we'll be at dragon con. Oh, and there's a question we didn't ask, although I know it's been done was uh, could star Trek lend itself to adult material and 
let's not say I know there's some, we know there's been some porn stuff out there because it, it absolutely lends a name to that. Right. <laughs> yeah. All right, Veronica, where else can people find more of us? Monkeying around. A podcast about the monkeys. Yep. And we've got some really exciting interviews set up right now that I don't I don't want to jinx them yet, but we've got some some people who've been on stage. And so I, I oh, I'm, I'm looking nice. forward to some we've got some good monkeying around episodes coming up. So if you're not listening to monkeying around, you've got time to listen to all of them before our next one comes out. Nice. <laughs> all right. Veronica, do you have a closing for us this week? Look day. <laughs> Okay. Okay. <laughs> We're talking about Klingons. All right. Bye, everybody. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Earth Station Trek. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Give us a positive rating. You can also send us feedback at earthstationtrek at gmail.com. You can join in the fun on our Facebook group or follow us on Twitter. You can also visit us online at earthstationtrek.podbean.com. We'll see you next time. Live long and prosper. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.